Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Southeast, the podcast where we take you through some of the major topics facing importers and manufacturers in China today. Hi, listener. Welcome to episode. 54 of the podcast. If you're new, we're glad to have you with us. And if you're returning, thanks for coming back and keeping listening. I'm Adrian from Southeast and Renault, our CEO, is joining me shortly to talk about pre-production samples. We want to find out why these samples are so important as a guide for your manufacturer to make sure that the pieces that finally come off the line in mass production are exactly reaching your expectations. So let's find out. Hi, Renaud. Thanks for joining me again. Hey, Adrian. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you. Over here in the UK, I think uh, things are kind of improving. Hopefully it's not a false dawn. Yeah. How's it going over in Asia? Um. There's a little blip of COVID in different places, Singapore, Vietnam, Taiwan, mm. all sort of at the same time. So, you know, plus the, the Indian variant is making everybody a little bit nervous. So, yeah, let's, let's see where that goes. Hmm. Mm. Well, a good test of that will be the UK because they're, they're, they're opening everything up now, regardless of the Indian variant. So we'll right. see if the vaccines really do work. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. yeah. How about um, how about price rises in uh, in manufacturing? I mean, this has been a big problem recently. Uh, yes, huge problem. Mm. A lot of uh, raw materials are up <laughs> a lot. Mm. Um, you know, copper is, is 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 crazy high, and so some some others as well. So a lot of electronic components. That's that's a different story. So it's shortages, um, driving prices up sometimes to, to to crazy levels. I mean, it's yeah, depending on the kind of products that people buy. Uh, it, it can really be very painful. It can negate the, the whole uh, the whole margin mm. uh, because, especially if it's sold in the end in um, in in stores, you know, in uh, big box stores, they will say, no, 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 I was buying that 11.5, and I'm not buying this 12 or 13. Actually, I want nine now, guys. <laughs> mm. uh, well, good luck to. To, to pass on the, the cost increases in some cases. Now, there's going to be a point where nobody wants to sell it to them at 11.5 anyway, and they're going to yawn and 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 and, and whine and, and scream maybe, and mm. and they will pay it 13 or 14 or, or whatever the normal price will, will be, but it's, it's just painful. The, the, the people in the middle usually are the ones who bite the bullet for a while, you know, mm. lose, lose their margin for a while, yeah. Yeah, well, we have been keeping an eye on this and you've written a couple of posts about it. I'll share a link, actually, because I suppose you can't really avoid price rises per se, but there may be some things you can do to mitigate the effects. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely some content to share about that. And uh, we'll keep talking about it when we've got uh, more to share. So on to today's topic, which is actually talking about why pre-production samples are so important for mm. buyers. So as ever, it makes a lot of sense to just kick off with discussing what a pre-production sample is and, you know, uh, what stage of the production process we're creating them and, and give a flavor of, uh, of what the topic is to start. So 
pre-production sample basically is any sample that is made, you know, put together before mass production. So in that sense, it kind of seems to be clear. Uh, the problem is in different contexts, it, it, it can mean very different things. Mm. Um, and it, it serves different purposes. Um, it's a little bit like money, you know, when people say, well, money is a instrument of exchange and is, you know, it's something that you use to, to value something and blah, 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 you know, it's different, different um, uh, uses of it. Okay, well, PP samples are a little bit the same. Um, it's, you know, if you, I, I, I think the best for that is to, sh to, uh, to talk about two or three different industries and see, you know, what, what they call preparation samples. Okay. Um, so let's take two very opposite ones. Um, the, the garment one and the, the electronics or electromechanical mm -hmm. products in general. Well, in garment, what they call pre-production samples very often are samples that are made from the exact fabric and materials and, and accessories um, in the exact color, um, but it's not made you know, in, in the sewing workshop, in the, the, the cutting and sewing workshops. Um, that's usually what people mean when they say PP sample. However, it, in theory, I mean, it includes anything from the first sample, hey, this looks good, right? Yeah, okay, fine. Uh, to the, the samples in, in, in the right size, um, you know, maybe just for the, 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 the model size, the, the sort of the, the middle one, and then, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the full size set samples and things like that. So all of these technically are PP samples, uh, but usually, when the materials and accessories have been delivered to the cut and shoe factory, uh, they they are often required to prepare a PP sample, and 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 it depends. And in some cases, no, the PP sample is something that is made uh, before the, the materials and fabrics and uh, the, the materials and accessories are delivered. Um, it's still in the in the development phase before anything is purchased. Uh, in that case, you know it's. Um, yeah, it's got to be the same material in usually, yes, in the same color, but, um, you know, there's a little bit more uh, likelihood that it's it's going to be a bit different from production, you know, somehow. I mean, the, even the, the fabric was not, uh, not, not, uh, not woven or knitted and, and, and finished and everything in the same batch as what you're going to use for mass production. So even the touch and feel might be a little bit different. The color might be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, so in that case, it is used for confir confirming, yeah, this is the standard, you know. Um, samples are very, very important in, in apparel, in textile products in, in general, because it's a lot about, hey, how does it feel in the hand? Uh, what does it look like in that kind of color and so on? And this is not so easy to to explain in um, in a checklist or a specification sheet or something like that, right? In written form, you, you kind of have to have it in your hands to really say, yes, that's what I want. And then that's what mm. they use as their standard to say, this yeah. is what I want in production, right? Maybe even in a photo as well. Yeah, yeah, they don't really like photos because, you know, the, 
the, the you don't have the touch and feel right and yeah colors get distorted pretty bad sometimes so sure. um yeah so yeah for textile products in general the samples are very very important for um let's say electromechanical products in general um that are developed from scratch well there's a number of samples actually they they're often called prototypes um you know from the sort of proof of concept prototype just to see okay this is how it would work um and to, to refine the design a little bit and then the, the different rounds of prototypes just to to get to okay the, if the product is like that it's fine we're gonna buy it you know um and these are proportion samples a lot of these are proportion samples mm -hmm. uh, you know prepared by r d engineers um put together from parts that they, they purchase outside maybe the 3d print they, they, they machine it or something and um they um uh, then it, it it comes to you know the buyer confirming okay this prototype looks the way i like and functions the way i like this is approved is the the approved prototype but trying to find the right term but it's, it's just an r d prototype let's call it this mm -hmm. way and then for example, if the if there's an enclosure that has to be um, custom made, uh, there's some tooling that has to be open for that. Well, that has a very big impact on the the look of the product, right? So they they do the, the, the they, they make the tooling, and out of the tooling they make some uh, some parts, and they um, once the parts look good, maybe at trial number two, trial number three, after fixing the mold. Um, they might use the parts, put them together in a few prototypes. And if everybody confirms this is fine, this is usually called um, the final tooling samples, let's say. Okay, so it means it's pre-production, but it is made from parts that come from tooling. And that, that has a very big impact. So uh, if we just stay with the example of the enclosure, you know, the, the casing around the product, well, if it is made with 3D printing, it's going to have a certain finish and so on. Uh, and um, and if it's made out of uh, injection molded plastic, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, the you know the texture might be closer to what they want because it's possible to do um, to do more things with the the, the final texture. Mm -hmm. However, there might also be some um, uh, some um, flow marks and, and you know the gate and, and all these kinds of things because hey yeah you know hot material was was injected into it and you kind of you know it, it, it cooled down in the mold and you you can see some some potting lines and things like that yeah so um, it's usually necessary to revalidate that it is acceptable for the for the customer okay so that 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 becomes the most important sample at that stage, the, um, um, the final tooling samples. And different mm. companies have different names for that. But if you say final tooling sample, uh, it you know usually people get it right. Um, and, and and then you know tooling is done and everything. And then let's say they they purchase some some parts, 
Uh, ideally, they do a, a pilot run. We, we did a, another podcast episode on that. Mm. Um, and they, they run some, uh, some validations, um, you know, getting closer and closer to exactly what they want. Um, and, and, and that can lead to, you know, um, yeah, different, <laughs> different levels of approvals. You know, oh, now this is the final one that we approved, not the one before. You know, now you get whatever. You get the anodizing right on the, on the metal, it, you know, in that color. Okay, that's confirmed. Okay, so that's the new one. And then there's going to be a next one where something else is, um, is, is pretty much perfect. And then, okay, that, that one is the final, final. <laughs> and then you have the final, final, final sometimes. Um, it's funny. But um, mm. so pre-production sample, you know, can, can include so many things. That, that's what I mean. So the lesson here really is for, for, the, for buyers in general, you have to specify what exactly you mean by PP sample. Hey, you know, um, if you just say your, to, to your supplier, okay, when, when can I get the PP sample? Oh, okay, you send me the PP sample, thank you. Okay, it's approved. Uh, go ahead for, for production and okay, I send you the 30% deposit or I open the letter of credit, or, you know, go ahead, you get the green light what exactly is this PP sample? You know, mm. it, it is, <laughs> you know, how far away is it from mass production? That is the, the, the key question, I would say. You know, is it the right, the exact uh, materials and, you know, in, in, in the right colors and the right finishing and the right texture and so on um, from the same batch as the batch that's going to be used for making the, the first, um, batch of finished products or not? Um, is it made in the, um, on the production equipment, the exact, exactly the same production equipment on the same line uh, with, you know, by the same people with the same methods? Yes or no? And the closer you are, you are to yes, 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 yes. Well, you know, the closer you, you it's going to be from the exact um, uh, production samples, right? Uh, really from the production batch. And that, that's what you want as much as possible, right? As your final approved sample that illustrates what standard you, uh, you have approved and what standard they have, to, uh, they have to comply with, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. The context you mentioned, I mean, it, it absolutely through a prototyping process, you're going to make more than one sample. Mm -hmm. So it is important to draw the line and say, okay, this particular PP sample, we're going to consider that to be the final sample, the, if you like, golden sample, I think also called. Yeah, and, yes, right. Yeah. And, that's, and then that's the, that's the model for production. Right, exactly. The golden sample, and everybody say, okay, this is the golden sample. Is the one we have to emulate, we, you know? And 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 ideally, they will have. Uh, well, the manufacturer has to keep several golden samples and identify them very carefully and keep them clean and and so on. Yeah. And there should be at least one for uh, the quality staff and at least one for the, the production staff, and maybe another one for R and D. I mean, you know the. 
they they have to think of that in different contexts call for for, for different uh, approaches here okay you, uh, you mentioned inspection stuff so well quality stuff uh, if we've got a pv sample and you're going to send in uh, an inspection agency because you can't go mm. to china at the moment let's say how do you get that into their hands well there's basically um two ways or three ways to do that um some some companies say well you know i trust my suppliers fine they um they they uh, they, they label they identify the sample very carefully and then they don't play games so just use their sample as the approved sample and this works fine if you have a relatively long-term relationship based on trust and um and you know that you know if for whatever reason someone in the factory is playing a game they um you know they will end up taking responsibility for that um it's not something i generally advise but you know um so some buyers have a decision to do that and i i, I respect it of course uh, it is a way of cutting costs, obviously, and you know, simplifying the processes. Mm. Uh, if you hire an inspection company, usually it is best to send them um, to, to to send a sample. So, and usually, the easiest is to send a sample to um, to your supplier's factory, but to keep it in a sealed bag uh, and to tell them, hey. Now I send it to you, do not open it, give it to the inspectors in the sealed bag, right? Mm. Um, and again, there needs to be a little bit of, of trust, uh, but um, people seldom, you know, play games with that. Mm -hmm. uh, or you send it to the inspection company itself. But you have to be aware if you send it to them and, you know, the inspection is in two days, and in, the inspector who's going to do the job He's not going to go through the office. I mean, that's really an exception when inspectors right. go through the office. You know, if the inspector is busy in the next two days, um, and if he's got nobody at home, uh, what what is the inspection company going to do? They're going to send it to the factory anyway. Again, yeah. package and so on. So keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, China's a big place, for example. The inspector could be many, many miles away from the, uh, yeah. From the office. Oh, yeah, that's mm. for sure. Okay, interesting. Uh, that's good to know about the inspection side of things. Let's just bring it back to the sample itself then. So when we're developing a PB sample, could you give me a, a quick idea of some of the issues that we will commonly iron out during the development of, of these samples? When a factory makes PB sample and send it to the buyer, well, sometimes the buyer notices, oh, you know, they totally misunderstood what I told them. <laughs> oh, this, you know, this should be in this color and that in that color. And like, they, they totally messed up what happened, right? Uh, this happened. So it's, it's that's, that's why, as I said in the, uh, at the start of this podcast episode, um, it, there are many uses for PP samples. It serves many purposes. One of the purposes is, to clarify understanding yeah. uh, because you can explain things in an email and, and 
people are more and more messy these days, it seems, you know, they send a little bit of this in WeChat and they send a photo by, by email and then they, 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 they get back into WeChat and it's all mixed up in the same channel and, and so on. So suppliers sometimes are pretty, uh, you know, they, they are lost, they are lost. Mm -hmm. And so um, it, it's good to have them put things together and then confirm it. Yeah, that's fine. You get it right. So use that as an example. You know, it's, it's like, a, it's a good guideline, right? That, that's, um, that's quite useful. And um, PP samples also in theory should be tested the same way as production is going to be tested. It's, uh, if it's a new product, um, you get to think of the, the, the testing plan and the, the, all the inspection checklist and all of that as something as important as say the user manual or as important as the, 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 the labeling and the packaging, you gotta get it right. And you know, don't just write something and say, ah, that, that should be fine, that looks fine, right? You get to actually use it and validate it. Uh, and what best, you know, you have some, some samples right here, it's the exact same product. Let's run them through the, the you know, the, the inspection checklist and the testing plan. Let's see if everything is clear. Let's see if we get good, good results, if you would pass or not. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, if not, why not? It's better to know about that now rather than have a, a wood production um, be rejected for the same, same, uh, same issue. So th these are, yeah, a few things that um, uh, the, the few issues can be caught. Yeah, um, yeah. I can see how important getting this right actually is. Is it common for suppliers in Asia to actually skip this process? Sending a PP sample is, I mean, it, it's so basic. You know, it's so common, so standard, I would say. I mean, all the buyers, I hope, know that they've got to have a, an approved sample in their hands to confirm before they say, okay, you can produce. Uh, however, you know, if you're buying um, large furniture, if you're buying machinery, that doesn't happen, of course, right? Mm. Um, so that's um, sort of the limitations of it. But I think it's, it's so very um, uh, basic. All, all the buyers know. Uh, I, I, I would hope so anyway. <laughs> I would hope so. Mm. Okay, good. During production, the supplier isn't meant to deviate from the, mm. the look, the features, the texture, the finish of the PP sample, the final sample, if you like but I guess it can happen. So why would that happen perhaps? And are there any steps that we can actually take to guard against it from happening? Wow. <laughs> uh, yes, of course it deviates. Now, yeah. the typical, typical conversation between a, a first time buyer and a manufacturer is, you know, the first time buyer says, oh yeah, okay, your sample looks good. I want, you know, production has to be like this, you know, that's perfect, that's fine. I don't want any, any defect. Manufacturers like, well, send us the money, 
Okay, we make it. <laughs> and, you know, the first time buyer doesn't even know he needs an inspection, doesn't even know he needs to check things very carefully, receives the product, has a look, he just goes back to the supplier and say, hey, I wanted this and you gave me that, you know. Um, some of them have this problem, some others have that problem, and then some others have that problem. I, you know, I paid you so that for, for everything to be the same as the, the sample I approved, what's mm. wrong with you? And the supplier would say, well, you know, it's done by hand, uh, you don't really understand production, it's not possible to get everything perfect. Everybody knows that, you know, the, 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 the preparation sample is what you want, it's good, but you get to allow for a few defect, uh, a few percentage of defectives. That's just the way it is. Um, and, 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 you know, if you don't define what is expected beforehand, then it's kind of hard to respond to that. Um, mm. so, so that will, so that will be in a, uh, typically would be in a very clearly defined QC checklist. Yes. Yes. The checklist is really what's missing uh, if you if you just have a sample as um, as an approved uh, standard right even this even one sample might not be enough if mm. you absolutely need to have the exact shade of blue then you can't just rely on a sample because it doesn't give you a tolerance you need to have another sample a little bit lighter and another sample a little bit darker and you say, well, everything between these two, I accept. Anything darker than that one, anything lighter than this one, I reject. Now that now you have a standard for for the color. Yes. Uh, so and 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 same thing for the the defects. If you buy, I don't know, you buy uh, scissors, but your I got a scissor here in my hand, um, but you know they're supposed to have a um, uh, some kind of marking on, on the side of the blade, but you know, for a few of them, the marking is not very well centered. For example, you know, what is that? You know, is it acceptable or not? Mm -hmm. Hey, if you have a good checklist, checklist will say, you know, it's got to be exactly with you know in the center, plus or minus 0.01 mm or something like that, you know, and then you can measure and then you can say, well, it's off by 0.3, boom. That's a that's a defect that's not acceptable not acceptable right yeah and then it will also give you the the maximum proportions of uh, defective products right the AQL limits usually um, so yes the 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 limitations of the PP samples is very clear uh, it, it it's usually the content of a good QC checklist it's what what is the tolerance um, you know, what is the most important, uh, what, you know, what, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, because there is going to be variations. Now, if you want to reduce variations uh, and you have a supplier that's going to listen to you, yeah, there are things you can do to reduce variations. I mean, they, you know, first they have to buy from good suppliers that don't give them pots and, and, and materials with a lot of variations. That's number mm -hmm. one, obviously. Uh, and they have to check it up and send it back when it's not acceptable. Um, and then within their own four walls, they, they have to 
maintain, you know, they, they have to do pretty preventive maintenance on, on their equipment. They need to train their staff and define the, the, the work instructions for the staff. They need to control everything that needs to be controlled. Um, I don't know, today I was talking to a buyer of uh, batteries and if you make battery cells, you know, humidity control is extremely important. Mm. Well, you know, uh, and, and in some cases, temperature control also is important. Well, do, you, do you actually do that or, or not? If not, then it might have a very big impact on your, um, you know, on the quality of the finished product, yeah. right? So th there's a lot of ways to, uh, to reduce variation. Uh, mm -hmm. And it depends on the causes of that variation, right? Mm. Well, I, I suppose it comes back to uh, vetting the right supplier as well, uh, fundamentally. Yeah, yeah, and right. We've spoken about that a lot. Yes, if if you started with a good supplier in the first place, obviously everything is just so much easier. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so to close out the episode, uh, let's turn to the cost of of this process of, of getting a sort of final PP sample that's that's ready for um, guiding production. Uh, how much should importers be paying? Or should they well, be paying? Yeah, in most cases, they are not paying. Um, if the supplier doesn't take them very seriously, that's different. Um, that's different. If <laughs> then the, the, the supplier might tell them to pay something. Uh, so for example, if you go on Alibaba and then you, you look at, I don't know, a bread maker or some, something like that. Mm -hmm. And you say, hey, yeah, I'm um, thinking of buying a, a bunch of these and uh, I like it, but can you send me a sample? How do they know that you are a real importer that is really considering buying a thousand of their bread makers yeah. versus someone who just want to buy one bread maker directly from China and pretend that he's a big buyer. Well, in that case, expect to pay for the, for the, for the bread maker and, and for the FedEx or DHL or, or whatever uh, for the courier fee. And, and you're probably going to pay 1.5 or two times more than the, you know, their normal FOB price. Uh, to cover the, the the cost of this little transaction, mm. and and that's fair. That's fair. Mm. But in most cases, no. In, in most cases, if you are a an established buyer, you um you know and 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 they know that. Um, again, if the product, if one one piece or three pieces of the product are not very expensive, not very heavy, usually it's sort of the cost of doing business. You know. Mm. Do, do you think that the inability to access Asia very easily at the moment actually gets in the way of, of approving samples to an extent? Mm. Because I suppose that as we spoke about in the um, uh, last week's podcast, when you interviewed Greg, there are ways to examine samples digitally, but there does come a point where you need to have that tangible, uh, especially a final sample in your hands. So mm -hmm. you can actually see, you know, the, the correct color with your eyes, you can feel the textures right. of the finish. So I'm assuming that if you're not able to go to, let's say China, you can't set you can't send 
you know, many, many, many iterations of samples keep going backwards and forwards, it's going to cost a lot and take ages. So, I mean, is there a way to perhaps digitize the process up to a point to, to streamline it? Digitizing the process does help in some cases. And yeah, Greg comes from, you know, the apparel industry, you know, same thing in footwear. If mm. you can already, uh, you know, maybe always use the same fabrics and the same, I don't know, the same laces and the same elastics and so on. And you make sure that you, you send some samples of that to your, 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 your customer's designers, uh, then you, you might already skip one or two rounds of prototypes, that's for sure. Uh, and then if you, if you digitize things and you, you make it so that they can actually see what it would look like on a, on a model, you know, just through a computer animation, um, you know, some buyers might actually be comfortable just skipping one round mm -hmm. and saying, okay, yeah, go, go straight to the size, you know, the, the, the first size sample and then send it to us, right? It's, it's possible, it's possible. What is really impacting people is, um, and I, I touched on that on the, for the electro, electromechanical products, especially all these consumer electronics, you know, where you, you gotta have a new model by, you know, on the stores, in the stores, um, you know, the day after Thanksgiving. Mm. Um, and yes, in that case, the NPI engineers uh, that, that work on the on the developments, um, they are quite um, quite stressful sometimes these days. Uh, they used to to come to China for you know three weeks, five weeks, sometimes to really follow up and get some, some very fast feedback. Sure. And that's one of the beauties of, of China is that you can really do things very fast mm. and you can do many rounds very fast if you're on site. But if you are stuck um, 10,000 miles away, it's not as easy. And, you know, they do video calls and they do all kinds of things like that. And they still ship samples around. But of course, it, I mean, it can only slow them down for sure. Right. Well, that's a really fascinating look at a very important uh, pre-production process. Good insight there, Renault. Thanks for thanks for sharing. Yeah, cool. Yeah, thanks, Adrian. Great. See you next time. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to like and share. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all other places that you get your podcasts from. See you next time.